Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Hey y'all, I have something a little bit different for you this week on the podcast. I was recently talking with a friend of mine, Hannah Brooks, who is a marriage coach for highly sensitive women. And we were talking about having her on the podcast and ultimately what we decided was she would share with me an episode that we did together for her podcast a couple years ago. So I just re-listened to it and enjoyed it a lot myself and I'm very excited to share it with you here today. I hope that it just brings you some new perspective and introduces you a little bit to Hannah's work, but also gives you a chance to hear me in a different sort of light as the interviewee rather than the podcast host. So without any further hesitation or ado, here we go. Here is the episode. All right. Hello and welcome. I am... I'm excited today because I haven't talked at all about parenting yet on this podcast and how it affects and impacts marriages. And I think for us highly sensitive people, it can be potentially even more kind of overwhelming and potentially knock us for a loop and even be kind of hard on our marriages. Um, Parenting can be depending on how we're thinking about it, how we're approaching it. Um, So today I really want to talk about how we can create more well-being in our marriages while raising kids. This will speak to parents of all types of kids to some degree and particularly (laughs) sensitive parents of sensitive kids, Um, which we tend to have kids who are highly sensitive, not all the time, um, when we ourselves are highly sensitive because it is a genetic inherited trait. So I'm also going to really just talk today about how having healthy, happy kids is not mutually exclusive to having a happy, healthy marriage. And really, in fact, they go hand in hand. And so today I'm super happy to have Julia McGarry here to help us untangle some of what keeps us from having both of those things, healthy, happy kids, healthy, happy marriage, (laughs) and really help us understand how to do that, particularly when we're raising highly sensitive children. Uh, Julia is the life coach for parents of highly sensitive kids. She helps parents take the pause button off their life and their relationships and their goals while building more connection and calm into the relationship with their children. So obviously she's the perfect, (laughs) perfect person to have here today. So welcome and thank you, Julia, so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you about this. I think it's going to be really fun. Yes, I know. And I know it's going to help people, uh, particularly moms who uh, are listening um, so much. So 
on that note, I see <laughs> I see a lot of parents, a lot of moms, because um, I mostly work with women, but I also sometimes work with men. And I see parents having or like really operating out of this idea that they <laughs> that they need to put the kids first. Um mm-hmm. Like they have to kind of like they have to do all these things to keep the kids happy and well, like kids are really forefront, right? And what I see happening is there isn't much left over for their marriage. And of course, these people, these parents are so well-intentioned, right? But it isn't always necessarily what's actually best for the kids to, to kind of deprioritize their marriage and really over-prioritize their kids. And I, I think especially for highly sensitive parents and kids. Um, truly, I've seen too many marriages suffer. And this is personal to me too, like including my own first marriage um, by really over-prioritizing the kids and under-prioritizing the marriage, like marriage back burner, right? Kids, mm-hmm. all, all the energy. Um yeah, and that like certainly didn't work out. If anyone, all of you who know my story knows that that was not helpful, even for the children. So I think, you know, I mean, one of the big things is that as highly sensitive people, when we aren't giving ourselves the time and decompression space and really just like allowing ourselves to enjoy our lives, um, we tend to not be at our best, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the sort of popular things I say is, is we can be insensitive as highly sensitive people when we are not centered, right? Highly sensitives can be insensitive <laughs> when we're not centered, which doesn't serve our kids, doesn't serve our marriage, <laughs> right? Right. Um, yeah. So, so where it shows up on my end with parenting, the people that I coach, I see a lot of parents who um, are really trying to be calm and grounded with their kids, but because mm-hmm. they're putting everything on the back burner, because like their their relationship with their partner, their own personal time, yeah, they are really just trying to like white knuckle their way to patience mm-hmm. and it doesn't work. Like they're just trying to force themselves to be patient, but they're not taking care of the things that they need in their lives in order to feel patience naturally. Right. So sort of like forced patience, right? Yeah. And then when you're doing that, when you're trying to force yourself to be patient, it takes so much energy. And at the end of the day, you have nothing left to give to your marriage. You have nothing left to put into your hobbies or whatever you are wanting to do. Yeah. It just takes everything from you. Totally. And I think like, especially when, I mean, for children in general, but especially for sensitive children, like they pick up on all of that, right? They've, I mean, you tell me more about that, but I think they absorb that like sponges and then all those emotional nuances, right? And that isn't necessarily helpful to to them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. If you're trying to force yourself to be patient and you're running out of energy around this because you're not addressing the things you need to actually feel patient, then eventually you, you're you so dysregulated from all that energetic output that you snap and you fall into the ha- habits that you're trying to break. And then you and your kids just like feed off each other. Right. 
Right. <laughs> and then it's all just hard. Yeah. <laughs> it feels even harder. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So um do you let me let me just ask in in, in what you, what you've noticed or if you have kind of have a sense of how often do you think that the kids of highly sensitive people are highly sensitive children? Like, is that common? I think it's more common for highly sensitive people to have highly sensitive children. I don't know the exact numbers. Yeah. Um, It's just my guess because we know that roughly one in five people is Mm -hmm. highly sensitive and we know there are genetic factors at play. Yeah. So I think if you're a highly sensitive person, it might be more like a 50% chance that your yeah. child is also going to be highly sensitive. Right. Totally. How this, I'm just curious, like I've always struggled a little bit to identify whether my children are or not. And I think it's mm-hmm. because I actually think they might all be, but my older one is really super extroverted. And so that threw me off a lot. I think those are the fun ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, totally. Um, um, do you so want how to do we say, identify? Yeah, like do you just want to say like a, just a couple words about like if for parents listening who are probably mostly or all highly sensitive people, um, just like a couple things that would help them be like, oh yeah, my kids that that sounds like my kid. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it starts to really become clear around kindergarten. Mm-hmm because there are certain traits that um, are developmentally appropriate, like the big emotions are developmentally appropriate and like typical across the board for kids when they're really young. But then as they start to get into elementary school and they're still having these big emotions that seem to come out out of nowhere at the drop of a hat, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. as highly sensitive people who are processing things all the time, we know it's not really out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, then that that could be a sign because um, if it just seems like they're still having emotions that their peers are not. Mm. But it does show in a lot of kids, even at birth. So when yeah. I talk to parents who are seeing their sense their their child sensitivity in contrast to older peers, I usually mm. ask them like, well, what were they like as a baby? Were they born Mm. alert connecting with everybody in the room Mm. and noticing every detail from the second they were born or were they Mm. a sleepy baby you know Mm. um a lot of times we think of certain babies as old souls I think usually those are the highly sensitive ones oh I love that that makes sense (laughs) to me actually (laughs) yeah my husband and I were just talking about old souls and we were like what like what is that and I love it that makes so much sense to me yeah Yeah. And some, as far as infancy and high sensitivity goes, some parents are so attuned, usually probably highly sensitive parents, so attuned to their infant's needs that they don't cry. They're not fussy babies because their needs are anticipated and met quickly. So they, the sensitivity um, doesn't show up until a little bit later, but for most parents, they're, highly sensitive 
infants are like, they're more likely to startle. They're yeah. less, um, less comfortable around strangers. They're a little bit fussier. Mm, yeah. And a lot of times there are sleep struggles too. Yep. Totally sounds like my kids and it's, it's so interesting. I love hearing that too, because I was very attentive to their needs, particularly like thinking of my first. And I think that was was why it was challenging to figure out if he was highly sensitive, because all those things are true of him. But I was like, so my attachment there was so good. I was just like, so focused on mom, like being mom, which is part of later was part of a problem, potentially a problem in my marriage. <laughs> but um, he adjusted really well, right? Like, mm-hmm helped him feel safe in the world ultimately. Yeah. And that piece of being an extroverted, highly sensitive child, it's um, this, I don't like equating high sensitivity with being shy, but I think that's what a lot of people do for children. And then when you see a child who is motivated to like get out there and make friends and be social, mm-hmm. yeah. but they have a sensitive nervous system that can only take so much input and they don't know their limits. That's when you see like these kids who are seem to be functioning just fine. And then Mm. out of the blue, they're like having a big meltdown in the middle Mm. of a birthday party or classroom or yes, just like overwhelmed system. Yeah. And that's actually what, what drove me to, focus in on high sensitivity in my coaching was having a a three-year-old child in my classroom who was Mm -hmm. extroverted and highly sensitive and very confusing to everyone around her. Yes. (laughs) She was having a good day. She could run our classroom for us Mm -hmm. because she knew every detail Mm -hmm. of our routine, of where everything was, what the teachers did, what the students were supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but if she was dysregulated, if she was wearing a sweater and it was hot inside and there were other things going on, she just had such big emotions. And she was so empathic. Like if mm-hmm. the people around her were upset, she was upset too mm-hmm. for longer than they were. <laughs> right. And a lot of adults thought she was being manipulative. And I just felt like she was so misunderstood that mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to zero in on that and help those kids. It's amazing. It's such needed work in the world. I love it so much. And I love like just that description of her. I think even for for my listeners, like even if you don't have kids, right, this could be helpful for you just even identifying yourself as a highly sensitive person. And I, if, you th- if we think back to our, our own childhoods and was, was I kind of like, was any of that there for me, right? Um, yeah. Like, so I want to share a little bit. Um, about like some some things that I've heard that I've learned. Uh, so the Gottman Institute is really like the four leader in doing actual scientific research on healthy, happy marriages. And mm-hmm. they say like, I'm just going to paraphrase kind of what they say, which is that children are nurtured by the love between their parents equally as much as by the love giving them, given to them directly. That makes sense. Like, yeah, I again, love that. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Um, and of course, like that's kind of like a, a happy mom that makes a happy child. And that's not always exactly the truth, but at least to some degree. Um, and again, especially for highly sensitive children who are, you know, who are so empathic and who do pick up on on what's going on around them so deeply. So, I mean, this is really kind of going back to what you're saying about 
like you were talking about patients, but in your experience, how important is the parents' well-being when it comes to raising healthy, happy, highly sensitive children? I think it's more important when raising a highly sensitive child than a less sensitive child. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things to say is that highly sensitive kids are more responsive by nature to nurture than other kids are. So if they're raised in a loving, supportive, nourishing environment, and they're having loving, healthy relationships modeled for them in all areas of their lives, Mm -hmm. they thrive and excel beyond their peers or even their siblings who are raised in similar environments. But yes, they are also more responsive to negative environments than other children are. So if there's, I mean, like you can, by negative environments, I mean, like the far end of the spectrum. So if there's neglect, abuse, anything going on between parent and child or between the parents, Mm -hmm. a highly sensitive child is going to internalize that Mm -hmm. and struggle with that more than other children would. Right. So it's that it's that because we're sensitive, the negative impacts us more and the positive. And this is the thing that most highly sensitive people, I think, don't um, recognize. And I think it's the best news ever about high sensitivity is that, yeah. that pot, like we're we're more deeply affected by the positive. Um, so do you I mean, you don't do you have any examples of of how a painful kind of hard marriage or home environment, or let's just say marriage, right? But that, that of course, affects the home environment, like how that might actually affect a highly sensitive child. The child I was talking about a minute ago was definitely impacted by her parents' stress levels. So just Mm -hmm. um, they were moving to a new house Mm -hmm. and her emotions in the weeks leading up to their move as her mom was showing signs of stress to us as teachers. And there, I don't know what was going on in their marriage, but like her emotions were out for everybody to see. And then like the day after they moved into their new house, something shifted for her. So Mm, yeah, um, Yeah. that's the only like real world example that I have, but um Sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's perfect. I mean, okay. It doesn't even necessarily matter exactly where that stress is coming from. It's, but it's very clear, like in my work (laughs) that, you know, like for, for moms, we're so deeply affected by the happiness in our marriage, right? By like, with if things are really hard, it's very draining on us. It's very Mm -hmm. stressful. It's very painful, right? So clearly that's going to, impact a child and particularly a highly sensitive child. Yeah. And it may look like an increase in big emotions or an increase in separation anxiety, or as they get older, more anxiety just in general. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So what do we want to keep in mind when it comes to ultimately like the highest good of all involved. I know that's a huge kind of question. So there's like, just, that might be way too broad of a question, but um, yeah. What, what comes to the top of your mind? I think number one, just if we can prioritize listening and connection mm-hmm. rather than um, 
jumping in and like directing or trying to fix things. Mm, so listening and connection with the child. And with our partners. Yeah. Perfect. So with like, if it's coming to like a question of how we're parenting, mm -hmm. prioritizing, listening, connecting, and acknowledging our partner's experience mm -hmm. and needs, and really trying to understand where they're coming from before we jump into telling them what they should be doing <laughs> or trying to fix yeah. the like, cause yeah, because if we, see something that we find like problematic in the way they're responding to our child or the way they're handling a situation mm -hmm. and we jump straight into talking about that there without connecting with them first without acknowledging what's going on for them mm -hmm. they're going to be more defensive it's going to be a much more triggered conversation and it's going to be harder to come to come to a like mutually beneficial agreement about what what we're doing as parents totally. and the same is true for our kids if we jump into correcting a behavior or trying to tell them why everything is okay and they need to move on from whatever emotion they're experiencing mm. we're it's going to take us a lot longer to get where we want to go than if we just connect and listen to their it. experience and help them feel validated and heard yeah. and know that their needs are met, that their concerns are being considered before we tell them what our needs are. I think that's so good. And I mean, and the beautiful thing about highly sensitive parents, highly sensitive moms and dads is that, you know, ultimately we do have this innate like empathy and ability to have compassion and urge to connect right now so sometimes for sure things kind of cover over that right like our intense emotions <laughs> mm -hmm. but but we like if we can live from that part of us a little bit more and really make that connection and getting to that place of understanding and being curious right all those things that allow us to connect um specifically with our partner right that's going to allow us to then show up for the kids better. It's kind of one of the things that I'm hearing you say. Yeah, it's it's very similar, I think, how we show up. Like the, just the way that I talk to parents about parenting, like it can be applied to all areas of your life. Yes. And if you can integrate curiosity, I think for highly sensitive people, it's it can be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to see somebody else struggling when you know mm -hmm. what the problem is and you yes. um, feel like it, it, you can help. Mm -hmm. um, so I do see a lot of my clients who probably are also more highly sensitive, wanting to like help and fix things. Mm -hmm. And then if they can mm -hmm. shift from like that, like I can make it better energy to just curiosity yeah. And creating a safe space totally. for their child or their partner to express mm -hmm. themselves. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Right. In fact, like in some ways that is a fix, right? Like if we were going to kind of language it differently, instead of just trying yeah. to jump in and actually fix the problem, fixing the problem actually can really entail this, this slowing down, this curiosity, this trying to kind of meet the other person. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And like I said, this is kind of a big question. So the other thing that came to mind for me was just making sure that you're prioritizing Mm. time for yourself and your marriage and getting really clear and clean with your boundaries. Mm. I think that's beneficial for and for the highest good for everybody involved. Cool. I love that. And yes, boundaries are a big topic. So let's not even like go deep into that. Um, <laughs> I think most most people who have learned about high sensitivity know how important boundaries are. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm going to do a whole episode on that and at least one, if not many. Um, <laughs> but, but prioritizing time for yourself and of course for the relationship. Yeah, 100%. And- and for your emotions too. Mm-hmm. I had yeah. in mind, like get cozy with your emotions and not just the good yeah. ones. Get to know how they show up yeah. in your body, what Definitely. behaviors they trigger, mm-hmm. and then just really starting to learn to process them rather than push them aside. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that white knuckling your way to patience thing. <laughs> right. Like so. don't just stuff them down or skip over them or pretend they're not there. Right. Like yeah. actually create space for, for them. Um, and I actually, without, you know, diving too deep into that, I do have, I think it's episode four where I kind of go more into depth about that. And I will go more into that at other times. Cause I think what you're saying, Julie is so important because we do have big feelings as sensitive people. So learning how to be with those feelings, um, makes peace, as you said, for those feelings without trying to just push them aside and like white knuckle our lives. So, so key. So I love that. Um, in terms of, you know, making time for yourself, that that's a, like a follow-up question I have for that is like, do you have any tips about that? Like, how do you, well, what tips would you give parents to kind of help them stay emotionally centered? And um, yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, like the emotion piece. Right. I, I'd say find ways to give yourself time to get grounded, whether that's, um, going for walks or journaling or meditating, whatever you need to ground yourself, find ways to integrate that into your day. Um, I know a lot of people have a hard time finding the time for those things, but I would, I'm of the opinion that like lean on bath time, lean on screens. If you have to, I'd Mm -hmm. much rather you be grounded and able to connect with your kids in the time that you do spend with them than to, and, and your partner too, than to avoid screens completely and feel constantly stressed and disconnected, even though you're with them all the time. That's such a good point. And I actually, that's one of the things I see a lot is I love how conscientious so many of us highly sensitive people are as parents. And what I see is that often as parents are like, I don't want them to be in front of the screen, which totally makes sense on one level, right? But it's a perfect example of where like, we could have that time to get ourselves back into that grounded space that you're talking about. Um, But if we're believing it's bad for them (laughs) and we're forgetting that, our well-being is really counts in what's good for them, <laughs> then um, yeah, we're going to be in a less good space 
and we're not going to use yeah. that that tool which is not to say stick your kid in front of the tv all the time <laughs> but and it's but, not to say like if if they are a child that um being in front of a screen really ramps up their energy then mm-hmm. screens aren't the way that you'd go about it maybe you you do you lean on bath time or you mm-hmm. get your partner on board <laughs> give yes. them get them to help you you know there are lots of different ways yes. there's something you can find and I think that what you're saying like one thing I'd like to just you said find time and I'd like to just encourage people who are listening to like it's actually we don't just find it like, it doesn't just fall into mm. our lap right we don't just wait for it like you're you're basically explaining like we actually make time for it we create the time for it yes when, when we recognize how invaluable it is right how important it is to ourselves but of course for our kids too and of course our marriage like (laughs) again that's like central to having great relationships with our partner too is feeling well inside ourselves yeah and we it, it is about creating time and another thing that I see in a lot of parents is especially parents of highly sensitive kids because they do tend to be um, very connected with their parents mm-hmm. and uh, like it can feel like you don't have a second to yourself sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> without somebody yes. interrupting <laughs> you and asking you a question or telling you about what they just read or um, and so when you do have a few seconds where they are like in, into their dramatic play or into a book they're reading or something like that it a lot of people, people, myself included, have this thought like, well, I can't really get started on anything because I'm just mm-hmm. going to get interrupted. Mm-hmm. Just recognizing that. And for me, what's helped has just to been, has been to remind myself that I can handle interruptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I only need a few seconds to tap into my breath. I only need a few mm-hmm. seconds to send my awareness like all the way down through my body to my feet to get grounded. So those things are available to you in those little moments of downtime where you might otherwise just fall into checking your phone because you don't know how long you have. I love it. It's really, it's about just, I mean, part of that's about being more, a little bit more intentional and (laughs) recognizing that these little moments that you can create for yourself, whether they're five seconds or five minutes, really, if you do that once a day or five times a day, like it makes an enormous difference. It really adds up and helps our systems settle. Yeah. And another thing I think is super helpful is to like, look for the things that you can do while they're awake, Mm -hmm. (laughs) while they're present, look for ways to invite them in. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, a few years back, I used to put off things like washing the dishes because it was hard to get started. And so then after bedtime, I'd have the dishes to worry about. And oh, I love that. it just, yeah. it, if you can prioritize the things that you can do while they're awake, then you have space for the things like meditation or connecting totally. with your partner after they go to bed. And uh, yeah, I love that. And as actually one of the things that we've done um, cause I now have, I have a five-year-old, but also a 16 year old and a 13 year old. And so what we've done over the years is really teach them how to take on chores themselves. So now like I actually <laughs> Wednesdays and Thursday nights, one of my older boys and then the other older boy actually cooks dinner for us. That's awesome. <laughs> it's been great. Like to really 
Like, that's always such a good thing. And it also sets them up for having a easier time when they're on their own, right? Because they're, um, yeah, they do the chores and they, like, they, they are, yeah, they're showing up. It's also a good opportunity to connect if you're drawing your child into the routines of your home. Love it. I mean, if you are some, like, I know a lot of parents that I, I work with um, followed the Rye approach and like Janet Lansbury when their kids were younger and there's mm. a lot about like connecting through caregiving moments. Mm. So like connecting through diaper changes instead of just like getting through it, you take the moment to really mm. connect with your child. And I think you can extend that as they get older into like connecting over preparing food or connecting totally. over um, yeah. cleaning to get like, you know, yeah. it's totally yeah. It's weirdly. It's one of my favorite times is like last night we, we roasted a chicken and my older son had never done it. And I like helped him just get it set up. Right. And like, <laughs> it was sweet and fun. And then I got to go off and do my thing while he finished it. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's good times together for sure. Yeah. And my daughter's six and we actually have like a subscription kit, cooking kit that comes every mm-hmm. month that has three little recipes in it that, one of them, we she we we did roast a chicken together um, mm-hmm. through that mm-hmm. program, it. and it's just nice because it you don't need that by any yeah. means to get your child in the kitchen, to, like cooking with you. But for her, it's like something exciting that came just for her, and she's yeah. excited to help do it. So fun! That's a great idea. I love it. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm I'm really hearing is like from what, from all of this that you're saying is that, um, we, we can actually use the day, like the daytime <laughs> to do the, the things around the edges to, to get the things that we quote unquote have to get done. Um, and actually include the kids in that. And, um, that can be a connecting pre- like time to be present with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can also sort of steal moments or create moments when our child's like doing something else um, during the day to kind of get ourselves back to center. And all of that will allow us to feel better in the evening and have more time for ourselves and our spouse in the evening, um, which yes. is food, is nourishment for us, right? Um, and the relationship. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that just kind of leads me into this other question is <laughs> maybe this is actually the same, this sort of the same idea is like, uh, I, one of the things that I hear parents say, maybe this is what you've just shared is, is sort of the solution <laughs> to when I hear parents say like, there's no time for each other because of the kids. There's no time for my spouse. There's no time to create you know, create and keep and maintain that connection or develop yeah. that connection together because of the kids. Um, you have any extra thoughts about that? Well, I just, when I hear parents say something like that, I want to encourage them to take a minute to just notice how that thought mm-hmm. lands in their body. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm thinking there's no time for each other because of the kids, it creates a lot of tension just yeah. like throughout my body and I feel frustrated. And when I feel like that, when I feel that kind of tension, I get mm-hmm. burned out very quickly. Yes. It's like an internal stressor, right? It's mm-hmm. like stress coming from inside. Yeah. And when I feel that way, or maybe I feel a little bit, it feels hopeless to me. I don't prioritize time with my partner 
I'm more reactive with everyone. Mm-hmm. It really puts a strain on my relationship, my marriage, mm-hmm. and my relationship with my kid. So, yes. um, yeah. So it sounds like just noticing how believing that actually affects um, affects you or affects these parents, right? And and how um, then how you show up in your relationships when you're believing that. I think that's so yeah. just to recognize that. And and how much time you spend, for me, it's like I spend time doing damage control, like trying to get myself out of feeling frustrated or um, damage control for my reactions that like just kind of came through because I wasn't grounded and centered. Um, so it actually takes more so, time. So it takes more time. <laughs> Exactly. There's no time to connect because we're doing so much like fixing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. It actually takes up more of our time. That's, it's so fascinating to see that such a good, mm-hmm. good thing to bring to light, Julia. Yeah. So what would you like, how, what do you think highly sensitive people with highly sensitive children like what else if there's anything else that you that's coming to your mind that would actually allow them to create or have more time for their marriage and actually be able to prioritize um time with their with their partner um well I kind of feel like since we were just talking about that being a thought that um creates a feeling in your body like looking at other thoughts that you can choose instead that you can believe that serve you a little bit better uh, is a really good step towards shifting out of not having enough time. Mm. So thoughts that I've found that serve me are like presence is my priority. Mm. I always make time for the people that matter to me. Totally. That includes yourself. (laughs) Yes. That's such a good Um, one. I know what I need and I speak up for myself Mm, yes that's and a little my, bit of like like claiming <laughs> that this is important right and um, yeah like almost potentially could lead to setting some good boundaries for yourself yes and taking care of yourself. yeah love it and then my kids love me and want to see me happy oh such a good one <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and being happy is nourishment to, to my kids yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So they like, kind of spin out sometimes if, if they're worried about you being unhappy or they can. Yeah. And they might not even know that's what they're doing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It might show up as um, reluctance to go to school or um, just various forms of anxiety, just kind of generalized anxiety. And they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know, they just know they're picking up on something and it doesn't feel good. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it sounds like really, (laughs) surprise, surprise for those people who are listening, because this is what I talk about all the time on the podcast. Um, (laughs) The way that we think about things, what we believe really impacts the things that happen in our life, the people in our life, the way we show up in life, and ultimately like the the results we get in our life. Like. Mm -hmm. How, like, would you mind illustrating that with this? Like, if you're believing that, um, I forget exactly what you said, that, but like, um, 
like being happy. It, I, I said this one, but if you were believing that being happy was, was actually nourishment to your kids, how might that um, change you and your experience and how you show up? Let's see. I'm, how does that, so I, I always go first to like, how does this land in my body? Like how, what does this make me feel? Right. Yeah. So if I believe that my happiness was nourishing yeah. for my kids, mm-hmm. for me, like that just, that feels really hopeful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I feel open and hopeful, like, okay, <laughs> I'm yes. not neglecting them if I'm taking time for myself. Like I, so nobody's being neglected. I'm not neglecting them when I'm mm-hmm. choosing not to neglect myself. I'm actually nourishing them. It's mm-hmm. very promising. Mm-hmm. So yes. I would be much more inclined to look for ways to nourish myself, mm-hmm. to find those little moments where I can bring that in, but also to be re- really clear about like, what I need, like if I need bigger pieces of time to talk mm-hmm. to my kids about it, to talk to my husband about it, to say like, this is what I need to feel calm and grounded mm-hmm. and to be able to focus on what you're trying to tell me. Like I'm having a hard time focusing on this right now because I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed. So I'm going to go lie down for a few minutes yeah. and then I'm ah. going to come back and hear what you have to say. Yeah. So just little things like that. If I'm thinking that that's nourishing for my kids, mm-hmm. I'm going to be so much more likely to actually do it because when mm-hmm. I do it, it feels good mm-hmm. instead of feeling neglectful. Mm. Yeah. That's and then so I good. show up differently. Like I show up ready to connect. Yes. And my kids are in the end, the end result is that they are nourished by our relationship because when I do show up, I'm ready to connect and support them. And it's just everybody benefits. Totally. I love it. And I have like this same sort of way of thinking about my marriage. Like I, I think about my marriage as a source of nourishment, right. And that it's, it brings me pleasure and it, Mm -hmm. it's so yummy and good. Right. And when And so I'm able to then think about like, well, my, you know, having this happy, healthy marriage um, is nourishment to the kids, right? And as soon as I made that switch in my head, because I used to think like there's no time for each other because of the kids, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) As soon as I got back to that or realized that my well-being in my marriage was nourishment for my children, like for me, I was able to easily make time on my calendar, like literally plan it out. That's how we, we did it. We would actually schedule. We still do certain nights where this is what, what, you know, we, my husband and I spend time together on this night and I didn't, I stopped feeling guilty first many times with my husband or like enjoying myself sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and ultimately like our family life is really happy, right. All of us together. Like it's just in general, there's just what I call like a culture of love and lightness in my house. I mean, it's just my kids truly like are thriving. And I know so much of it is because I've allowed myself because of the way that I think to, to, to nourish, to be nourished, to be nourished by my marriage, to nourish my marriage. Right. And to take time for myself and all of those things we've been talking about. So I think it's what you're saying. And it's just, it's so powerful (laughs) and so healing to start to shift the way we think in, in those ways. Yeah. And I'll just share an example too from 
my family recently, like I, one of my thoughts is that it benefits my daughter to know like Mm -hmm. what my needs are Mm -hmm. and to know like how I recharge and what, like how I stay Mm -hmm. grounded. So my husband and I both get up pretty early Mm -hmm. to have time just by ourselves. And sometimes my daughter gets up early and we're usually like, we, we don't force her to go back to her room or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it's a little bit disruptive, but we do, we talk to her and say like, look, this is the time when like we get up early because we need to have some quiet in the morning to get like settled and ready for the day. Mm -hmm. And we don't mind if you wake up, (laughs) like that's okay. But like, if you can, like, if you can find something to do that's quiet, it's even better for everybody. And just recently she started, she's six. And so just like being very clear about that for months now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, she has started to use her little like wake to rise alarm clock. So she's, we've said it. So like, at 6.30, it turns green. So she knows, okay, cool. I can get mm. up and leave the room. Mm. And then we set an actual buzzer alarm for seven because she mm-hmm. wanted to have that set. But so now if she wakes up before 6.30, she turns on her light and she just plays in her room mm. without like, just from, just from like talking about how we prefer, how we like to use that time, how it nourishes us. Mm. Now she's nourishing herself in her own room without being forced to do it right so she's learning how to do that it also sounds like she's learning how to you know respect your space which is such an invaluable skill to have yes right (laughs) I think both of those things are so good I love it yeah yeah but being highly sensitive if we'd said you cannot come out of your room until 6 30 in the morning like she probably ultimately would have like latched on but not felt very good about it mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have been like she's doing this as a gift to us it would just be like we're not allowing her to do it and right. it would set up some um a little bit of a disconnect mm. you know so mm. at least in our house that's that's how it feels for us <laughs> like I think mm-hmm. my particular highly sensitive child would not right. have enjoyed that <laughs> right yeah, yeah. And I think that's such a point that like, uh, what you're kind of the subtext of what you're saying is like, of course, not all highly sensitive people are the same. Like before highly sensitive, before being highly sensitive, we're all we're all human. Right? We mm-hmm. have a unique. We come. Oh, we all come in unique. <laughs> so that's that's always really important. To yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the one of the last things I just wanted to chat about was. There are times when our children go through harder phases, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have any, how do we navigate that, right? Like, so, so that we don't, I mean, there's a lot of what we've already said, but like, there might be times where our kids tell me where I'm wrong, but there might be times where they do need a little bit more from us than other times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you have anything to say about that? It's so funny because I feel like it seems like there should be some big shift in how we're responding Mm. but really it's just more of the same thing. You want to make sure that you're meeting your own needs so that you can be grounded and present and you want to prioritize um, just creating a safe space for them to be heard and be seen and process their emotions. Um, Mm. So yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I like thinking of it as like you, you want to energetically like hold them the way you would have when they were a baby. Like, mm-hmm. so they feel safe to talk when they're ready. Like if, if when they were a baby and they couldn't talk and you just like held them in your arms. So you want to hold the space around them to let them express it, express what's going on at their own rate. Mm-hmm. A lot of parents I see um, worry about their kids not talking Mm-hmm. through these big moments and um, maybe maybe they don't need to talk maybe they just need to be heard or or seen or validated or yeah. or held right. <laughs> um, but a lot of times if you do the holding and you don't rush them they do talk mm-hmm. they will tell you like what's going yeah. on and how you can help so and that kind of just comes back to what you were, I mean, a lot of things we were, we've already talked about today, like, like empathy, connection, presence, mm. right? And, <laughs> and you yourself or us as parents ourselves, feeling grounded and knowing how to hold our own emotions, right? And be with our own feelings and, you know, come from a space of, of being nourished ourselves. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. kind of the theme through everything I know, that I, I so. do. <laughs> It's so good and it's so important. And so, I mean, I think the reason I wanted to talk about this with you today is because it's so easy for us to, in our modern world, with all the expectations expectations and shoulds and ways we're supposed to do things, quote unquote, you know, it's like so easy to put ourselves last. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't serve our children. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Julia, it's been... So great to connect with you and talk to you about this. And really, I think you definitely dropped some little little truth bombs, or I like to think of them as like gems. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, how, if people are interested in, I know that you work with parents. So if people are interested in learning more about you or connecting with you um, or even working with you, how might they best find you? Yeah, so I do. I work with parents through one-on-one coaching. Sometimes I work with both parents, but I usually it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on Instagram. That's where I hang out most of the time. You can find me at Partnered Path Parenting on Instagram, cool. or you can head to my website too, which Great. is just partneredpath.com. Awesome. And I will absolutely put those links in the show notes for anyone who's wanting an easy way to get in touch with her. Just click on the links. Um, yeah. Julia, thank you so much. Truly, it's been a pleasure. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Do you feel like you're parenting 24-7 and you're still not sure your child is getting what they need? Are you ready to stop parenting reactively and start living in partnership with your sensitive child? Are you ready to reclaim time for yourself and time for your dreams? then you're going to want to explore coaching with me. I help my clients tune out all the noise, better understand their kids, build a parenting strategy that meets their family's specific needs, and do the mindset work necessary to implement that strategy consistently without sacrificing themselves in the process. To get started, just head over to partnerpath.com, click on coaching, and get your free consultation set up. 
let's get to know each other.